Greetings, everyone, to the Bloopcast Halloween episode. <laughs> oh, great. Skeletor's back. <laughs> What's Zero on Netflix? So anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, why are we called Bloopcast? Yes. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> For our spectacular Halloween special... We'll be discussing my favourite PS1 game of all time, Resident Evil 2. In a world where zombies had kind of, you know, moved on and nobody really talked about them anymore, one video game series brought them screaming back into the late 20th century, Resident Evil. Once again, the Bloopcast explores the Resident Evil series, discussing the first game's extremely successful sequel, Resident Evil 2. This game follows the exploits of rookie cop Leon S. Kennedy and graduate student Claire Redfield as they fight to survive against the zombie horde and take down the evil Umbrella Corporation. Once and for all. And despite the fact that it's called Umbrella Corporation, it doesn't have umbrellas. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, yes. So I think, should we just jump in just to discuss how we discovered this interesting gem of a game? Yeah, of course, like, this is potentially my favourite game ever. I mean, I kind of told you in the first Resident Evil episode we did... Well, I could go into a few more specifics about this game in particular. Like, I've heard bits and pieces about Resident Evil online, and Resident Evil 2 always appealed to me more than the first Resident Evil, as I preferred the idea of making your way through a city ravaged by zombies to exploring a secluded mansion. But the main reason I didn't give it a go was because I was pissed off by the income system that used to save the game. This was because I was used to Silent Hill, where while save points were few and far between, you could save as many times as you and the idea of using limited resources to save the game was way too intimidating for me. But then a few years back, so around like late 2018, early 2019, Normal Boots did a season of their debate show called Madness, where they debated the best PS1 game from a selection of 12, voted on by their viewers. And this season featured Cadicorous, The Completionist, Shane from Did You Know Gaming, and Barry Kramer, who used to be on Game Grumps. And Resident Evil 2 was the surprising winner that ended up just dominating. And the way that game was talked about by people, namely Cadicorous and Shane from Digno Gaming, Shane himself said stuff like, oh, Resident Evil 2 type as fuck. <laughs> and that was like, this game sounds amazing, I need to play this. And when I first played the game, I died on the very first screen. After a couple more attempts of trying to hit the police station and failing, I copped out and tried the game on the easy difficulty, which is more successful. But when I got to the police station, I had no idea what to do, so I kept having to look up a walkthrough to point me in the right direction. But in spite of all this, I really enjoyed the game. Uh, this was around the time the remake was coming out, and at the time, I didn't have a modern console and was still rocking my beloved PS2 as well as my Nintendo 64, original Xbox and Wii, which I mainly just used as a GameCube. But I saw gameplay for the remake and I was like, I need to play this, looks, this looks great. So I ended up buying a PS4 with the intent of getting the remake. However, I didn't end up getting the remake until my birthday that year, but it was the best time to get it because uh, my birthday is like right in the middle of October. So I was a bit able to embrace those spooky October vibes while playing the game. Oh yeah, it was my birthday last week as well, at the time of recording this. <laughs> I'd throw that out there. Happy birthday, Rob. Happy birthday. And I revisited the original after playing through the first game last year for our RE episode. Decided to tackle the normal difficulty, seeing as I just conquered the original game, which doesn't have a difficulty setting, so I was like, 
But I could do the first game, I could do the second game, and I enjoyed it possible that than the first time. And one thing that made me feel like a complete boss was managing to defeat the tyrant without using a single healing item. And then preparing for this episode, I ended up playing through the original game about four times in a two-week period, and I felt like Simon Pegg's character from Space Fantasy Evil 2 on the whole day, although I didn't have a violent reaction to Twinklets and punch an artist in the face. Oh, we went to see an interesting piece of contemporary theatre. We drank an enormous amount of free wine. We ate our body weight in Twinklets, and you punched an artist in the face. I'm not supposed to eat Twiglets. Why not? It made me violent. But anyway, I've blitzed through the four different playthroughs, something we'll touch upon later in the episode. I've thoroughly enjoyed it each and every time, and it never got boring or stealthy, even though I played it through for like four times. Um, I was able to get just over two and a half hours, which I'm impressed with, and I got a secure B ranking on all four runs, all without using a walkthrough. So yeah, that pretty much sums it up. That's wow. my early experience with it. That's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, well done on the two and a half hours. That is really impressive. Yeah. Like, that's- that's really speedy. <laughs> I mean, the, the fastest I've ever managed is about five hours. And that's like just, I mean, I've never played it to like actually beat the clock, but that's the best I've managed. And yeah, so yeah, two, two and a that's half. That's the thing, I, I wasn't even trying to beat the clock. I just knew what to do. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, that's the cool thing about the Resident Evil games in general is that you can time yourself in a way that like, or, you know, if, if you know what to do, you can complete them so quickly. It's actually unreal, like how fast they, mm. they can be finished. So I guess kind of like last time, Resident Evil was always in the background for all of us, right? You know, like we always knew about it. Mm. So it's kind of like the same with Resident Evil 1, but I wasn't really aware of two except i knew about the liquors for some reason so for those who don't know the liquor is this really creepy enemy in the game they're like blood red because they're all like it's like their skin is inside out so it's all like their muscles and you can see their brain for some reason (laughs) and they have like a really long tongue that they use as like a whip so i always knew about the liquor i think because i must have seen it in like a gaming magazine or something like that it was around the time i was really obsessed with all the monster designs in doom Mm. uh doom free specifically because that game looked amazing to me when i was a kid and then it was a few years ago i got into resident evil 1 and as you guys know i really got into it i really love remake and i played the ps1 game a lot and got into the director's cut recently and all of that and so when i did that i decided to get resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 as well. I got those on the PlayStation 3 and I played through Resident Evil 2 for the first time. I had a good old time with our Leon and Claire. That is definitely the cool detail about Resident Evil 2 is what they called the zapping system where they have the two scenarios that are happening at the same time with Leon and Claire where they're running around the police station which is really cool. The big change that was really novel to Resident Evil 2 compared to 1 where they retold the story but from two different perspectives so the idea was that you played as Leon you ran into these kind of characters in the police station and this stuff happened and then you played as Claire and you ran into like you were running around the same building but you were doing a different story so you had these two stories kind of going on at the same time which is different from how the first game did it where you would still run around the same building but you would play as Jill and Chris but the stories wouldn't be all that different and also what was cool was that Leon and Claire do run into each other in their scenarios as well so like there are some moments where they do meet up they meet up in the star's office and stuff like that uh, or in the in the corridor when they're chasing after Sherry. There's, there's, you know, it's a cool storytelling detail that kind of distinguishes 
2 from a lot of other games, really. So I got into it, and it was cool, and I enjoyed it. And then when I finally got a PlayStation 4 last year, because I've taken my sweet time getting one, Resident Evil 2 The Remake was the first PlayStation 4 game I ever played. So it was really funny. I'm not used to, like, really modern gaming at all. Probably the most modern games I usually play are from 2010. So I had this thing at the very beginning of Remake. It's raining, and I was really obsessed with the raining effects for, like, the good first good, like, ten minutes. <laughs> I was literally just, like, having Leon walking in and out, like, of the, the rain and just seeing his clothes getting drenched and him, like, holding his hand up to stop himself getting rained on. And I was like, whoa. And that was me discovering next-gen gaming, everyone, was the rain effects in, in a video game. <laughs> But yeah, so that's my Resident Evil 2 discovery, both the original and the remake. So James, get on here, boy. All get, right, get, I'm getting on, I'm getting on, I'm getting on. So now this, uh, James, yeah, he's only played this game for this episode, he had no prior exposure to this. I'm, so I'm interested to know what you think. It's going to interest you. <laughs> okay, so to be fair and to be honest, I mean, there was always some awareness of Resident Evil as a... Ewan pointed out, you know, I think everyone at some point during the 2000s, I want to say, was aware of Resident Evil in some capacity. You know, there's movies, you know, the video games were promoted everywhere. I think also, like, I just saw Resident Evil being promoted on every sort of, like, video game shelf to some degree. It was impossible to avoid. So I was aware of Resident Evil as a kid. I will say that as a kid, I was aware of Resident Evil. And I spoke about my discovery of Resident Evil, the franchise, in the last episode, regarding Resident Evil 1. However, for Resident Evil 2, I think, as weird as it sounds, I think my first moderate exposure to the concept of Resident Evil 2 was through Robot Chicken. Um, and it was the one episode where, I think it's called Super Mario meets GTA. Oh, I know the one you mean. yeah. yeah. That sketch has Mario going into Liberty City <laughs> and uh, doing all the horrible things you would do in GTA. But that sketch ends with Yoshi going to Raccoon City, which is where the video game <laughs> is set. Yeah. And obviously oh, Yoshi... He drives up and thinks, oh, Raccoon City, that sounds nice. And then yeah. he gets like, eaten alive by zombies when he gets there. Mm, Raccoon City sounds lovely. Now, I'm just going to point out, I was about 10 when I saw that, so it traumatised me a little bit. And obviously it's stop motion, so that didn't help either. So I watched this as a kid thinking, what, what? Uh, this is how innocent I am. And when I first saw that, I just thought they were just angry people coming to attack Yoshi. I didn't think of them as zombies. He gets his head ripped off, it's so horrible. Poor Yoshi. <laughs> he deserves it. No, Yoshi's my main on Mario Kart. <laughs> I will not tolerate a bad word about him. Yoshi! <laughs> anyway, uh, moving back to how I discovered Resident Evil 2. Obviously, that's probably my first exposure to the concept itself, but I didn't actually realise that was Resident Evil 2 until recently, and this is very much recently. Obviously, I played Resident Evil 1, so naturally, we wanted to move on to Resident Evil 2, so I did end up playing Resident Evil 2 for this episode. This is the first time I've played it. I've had no knowledge about... I mean, to be fair, I do know who Leon is, because Leon does appear in Resident Evil 4, so I know the character. 
So I've been exposed to that character and the universe of Resident Evil before. But this is the first time I've ever come across Resident Evil 2, and it was uh, for this podcast, to put it honestly. Mm. It's been an interesting experience. We'll get into that. <laughs> Leon yeah, is before... a very different character in 4 than he is in 2, I will yes. say. I used to be a cop myself. Only for a day, though. I thought I was bad. Although in remake, he does have some elements of four persona. You do get to see his kind of like sassy RE4 stuff in some of the one-liners he throws out here and there. Mm. But before we discuss Resident Evil 2, I think I want to kind of touch on the scrap version of the game, which Mm. fans tend to refer to as Resident Evil 1.5. Originally, it was a completely different game. The way the PlayStation was designed was completely different. It looks kind of like more boring, kind of like more kind of modern. It just doesn't look as interesting as what we got in the finished game. That was the problem, was that Shinji Mikami, yeah. the producer, was like, yeah, we, we finished about 80% of the game and then realised that it was really boring and they just completely scrapped it. Yeah, and Capcom, in a good move, they gave the developers time to start the game from scratch completely, uh, which is the best thing. I think one thing that intrigues me is Claire isn't in this game. Instead, you've got a biker called Elsa Walker. Mm. And one thing we haven't mentioned about Claire yet is she is the brother of Chris Redfield, the male protagonist from Resident Evil 1. And she's come to the brother the Raccoon City to look for Chris. A sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why. A sister, sister, sister. Oh, but yeah, Claire is the sister of Chris Redfield from the first game. She's come to Raccoon to look for Chris, only to find it's ravaged with zombies. Mm. Lucky she ran into the rookie cop on possibly the worst first day of a job ever. Who's just come to this town to do his job and finds <laughs> the patrol route is covered with zombies. Just the worst luck. I did a little research. I was reading about the Resident Evil 1.5 and Claire is basically the same as Elsa, the original character they had planned. But yeah, the, the big detail was it was Noburo Sugimura was one of the writers. And he said there needed to be more of a connection to the first game's story. So that was why they said, okay, let's make her the, the sister of Chris Redfield from the first game. And that mm. kind of gives a bit of a connection. Because really, there isn't much connection at all, apart from some like vague references to like the Stars team in the police station and mm. stuff like that. But really, there's not much. It was probably a good decision, I think, because it did connect the story more. Aside from, like, the obvious Umbrella Corporation is behind it all. The Aza connection from the first game, that's kind of very much a very tenuous... Not super tenuous, but it's a very kind of obscure detail that if you haven't played the first game. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's also things... There's things in the notes you discover throughout the games as well, saying, like, it discusses the events of the first game and how it spiralled out of control and obviously ended up in the events of Resident Evil 2. Yeah, Um, and of course, when you meet Marvin in the police station, he says the immortal line... About two months ago, there was this incident involving zombies in a mansion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's another thing. We, I mean, we've obviously talked about the voice acting in the first game. That does not really change too much. I mean, the best quotes are in the first game. It was a huge snake and also poisonous. But I think that level of charm and stupidity that you get with the voice acting is still perfectly present in Resident Evil 2. Freeze! Who are you? What are you doing here? Don't shoot! I'm a human! Then they got Canadian voice actors. But it's still um, somehow just as cringy. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, 
Sorry about that, babe. Well, I noticed again there was a point Capcom made of wanting to make the script a bit more like actual English. Reading an interview, someone did actually bemoan the fact that we weren't going to get more Master of Unlocking quotes. So there was like a feeling, on the one hand, this is probably an improvement, but at the same time, what are we losing from moving away from the cringy dialogue of the first game? Like, like, really? It's Forrest. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like accidental art, isn't it? They've accidentally mm. created something beautiful. <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, obviously, it's great. I think it's good that they wanted to make something better. They wanted to kind of improve upon the criticisms of the original game. But at the same time, it's kind of what made Resident Evil, the first one, so good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's one thing I found missing from the remake, the GameCube remake. There's no jibble sandwich or, or anything like that. That was too close. You were almost a jibble sandwich. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing okay, like that. Move, moving away from the voice acting, one of the things I love about this game is, unlike the first game that slowly kind of eases you in, mm. this game just right into the deep end. As you're in the midst oh, of yeah. this blazing inferno, and you're surrounded by zombies. And this is probably the trickiest part of the game, in general, since it takes quite a while to move, to make it through the city to reach police station, which is where the first save point is. And you can run around with most of the zombies if you know what you're doing. But there are a couple of points where you're trapped in extreme narrow passages where you have no choice but to take out the zombies. And of course, like in the first game, they are bullet sponges and will take at least half a clip of ammo to take out. Like, yeah, it's a great I, way. I was I was caught off guard. I, I like I'm you know I'm a bit of a veteran with these games now, but I was chomped a few times. <laughs> yeah, it's replaying like, it. Well, I think it's great with thrown to the action, and I love the interaction with the owner of the gunshot before the zombies swarm and eat him alive. What's going on in this town? I ain't got no clue, darling. I've only normally able to get through the first few screens just fine, but it's always that last screen, you know, just before you get off the bus. That's mm. always what gets me. Yeah, yeah, that it's caught me. Really small, it's quite a small area, and there's like about five or six zombies that you've got to manoeuvre around, and it's not easy. Once yeah. I had to resort to trying to pick it, because you can do this in the gunshot, it's very risky, but you can do it. When the zombies are eating Kendo, the gun shop owner, alive, you can, run, can either shoot all the zombies or just run past them. You can take, like, the shotgun or the mm. bolt gun if you're playing as Claire. I did, it I did notice that looking at it, yeah. I've not attempted it, but I did see the shotgun was right there, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> try and, and get it. Yeah, the thing is, it could be useful because you're in for a nasty shot not long after you get to the police station. So you meet Marvin, and then you begin exploring the police station. As you explore, like, the first corridor you go down, you see something falling past the window. You go into the next room, and the only sound you can hear is, like, a slow dripping. You find the corpse, who looks like his head has been chewed off. Examine the corpse to get some handgun ammo. As you walk on, you see a cutscene revealing what ate this man's head, which is possibly the toughest enemy in the game. And after the cutscene, you need to dispose of it. <laughs> And this is why I always say with station, because unless you grab the weapon in Kendo's gun shop, you only have a handgun. Meaning if you haven't saved it, you have to try and get back to the police station all over again. Yeah, just don't even bother using a pistol against the liquor. I'm sure people have achieved it, but... I, I, I did. Don't bother. I have as okay, well. Okay, well done. <laughs> <laughs> but that was on easy mode, to be fair, so I don't know if that counts. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did it on normal, so... Uh, well, that counts. <laughs> 
I tried to do it as Claire, but it didn't work out. But when I did it as Leon, I was able to do it. So I think, I don't know, if Claire's playthrough is a bit more difficult than Leon's. I don't know if there's like a difficulty patch. Because I know there was a difficulty thing going on in the first game, where if you played as Jill, it was a bit easier than playing as Chris. Chris, is, his playthrough is unforgiving. Yeah, I think both characters are well balanced. Like they're the same item capacity and take the same amount of hits. But I think their main difference is like the weapons they get. Yeah. Like Leon gets a wider variety of weapons, including the most powerful gun in the game, which is the upgraded Magnum. Tangan has more ammo. Yeah. But his arsenal isn't as good at taking up the liquors. That's so the thing. Yeah. Got a grenade launcher which has acid rounds that can take out liquors in one to two shots. Leon's got the easy solve the problems that involve lighter, whereas Claire has to find the lighter and carry it using an item slot. Mm. Now this is balanced by Claire having lockpick, but Leon needs to find small keys to open certain locked cabinets. I'm inclined to say that the first part of Leon's playthrough is a bit easier because. I mean, for me, when I had the shotgun, it was also easier to take out the liquors than the crossbow for Claire. Yeah, that bolt gun eats up ammo because it like, yeah. shoots three shots. So you have to divide your ammo count by three that's, every time. That's the only way to take out the liquor in the first bit, is either the shot... I mean, you can try the pistol. I did manage the pistol eventually. But then also I tried the shotgun the first time around as well. I think it, what the game expects you to do is either use the shotgun or the crossbow to take out the liquor. And the crossbow is way more difficult to aim than the shotgun, I think. Just um, run past it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you can run past the liquor? <laughs> Just run past it. Yeah, that's what I always do. Well, I was too busy shooting Don't waste any ammo. <laughs> I love that you guys are like coming up with all of these weapon strategies and I'm just like just run past it bro like it's it's fine yeah but it's like the spiders as soon as I ran into them I was like yeah they they can catch you off guard but again like you you can that's what I do I don't (laughs) spiders don't bother me they just kind of just really chill around they'll try it boys me but I could just run past them that was the game breaker for me. Like, like literally, both these zombie games, right? The only thing that stopped me from finishing them is not the actual zombies themselves. It's these weird monsters that they shove in. Big snakes, spiders. You didn't even... Come on. <laughs> you didn't even get to the crocodile. What? There's a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, you're not missing much with that boss fight. It's it's terrible in both the original and the remake. The, this is like Brum alliga- Brum Thunderbirds all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Giant alligators. <laughs> God damn. I mean, it's it's yeah, fine. Um, but what I like about Leon and Claire is they're somewhat more relatable in comparison to the protagonists from the first game. So Chris and Jill, they're great, but they're elite members of the Stars Alpha team. So they're combat specialists. This game, you're a rookie cop on his first day and a young student looking for a brother. So they're kind of just just as unprepared for this situation as you. Leon's my favourite character in the entire Resident Evil franchise. In this game, I like he's kind of like good, do good of nature. Like he's really trying his best. And of course, by Resident Evil 40, he progresses to being like this cocky, sassy badass. No thanks, bro. Yeah, Resident mm-hmm. Evil 4 right like, completely comes off. changed his, Yeah, completely changed his personality, which is quite like you know, it's quite oh, funny. Shit. He's like fairly fairly serious in two, and then in like four, yeah, he's a, he's like a superhero. I've sent my right hand to dispose of you. Your right hand comes off. I should quickly note, I actually haven't fully complete Resident Evil 2, so there are things that have been discussed here that even I am a bit like, what? <laughs> but, uh, but I should note that, I just wanted to note that just so in case, but obviously I haven't encountered crocodiles yet. There should have been like other giant crocodiles, they shouldn't have just stopped at the one. It should have been a bit like Tomb Raider situation, where you have like various crocodiles to 
look out for. I don't know. I just I'm always disappointed by the alligator or the or the crocodile fight because it's so easy in both the remake and the original game. You literally oh. just run away from it and then blow it up. It's yeah. so like fine, you know. And I'm like, why don't we have loads of crocodiles and you have to run past them or something? Yeah. Alligators in yeah. the sewer. Come on, that's like the oldest joke ever about. America. One thing I do love about the game is the police station. It's got this really gothic design, which is mm. way more interesting aesthetically than they were originally going for. It's pretty designed in a similar way to the mansion from RE1, but mm. it's more linear. So I like the design because it makes things a bit more manageable and doesn't take away from the game's challenge, which comes from avoiding the enemies and working out the correct route to take through the game. Because there are several occasions where I just didn't save because I was just pissing about working out where I was going yeah. and okay, I died, but I can use this to plan like the best route to take through this next section. I always think, to kind of discuss the police station, and, and but also the mansion in the first game, I always like to compare these two games to George Romero's dead films, so Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Did you see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? So the first game is a lot like Night of the Living Dead. Like, you go to a... It's a big house, but it's still, like, in Night of the Living Dead, they all go into a house, and there's zombies everywhere, and there's secrets in the basement, and all that sort of thing. So it's very like Night of the Living Dead. Oh, and, like, one zombie is, like, a big threat in the original game because the corridors are really narrow, so it's really difficult to run past them. So usually you have to waste ammo to shoot them, so it's it's a lot like the film in that regard. And, and you have to, like, set fire to them, at least in the remake version. So stuff like that. Whereas 2 is a lot like Dawn of the Dead. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Because it's like this big public place. So in Dawn of the Dead, it takes place in a big shopping mall. And so you've got this big wide open place and there's like loads of like safe areas, but then there's loads of really dangerous areas. And one of the things the director, Hideki Kamiya, he was saying they were really chuffed about the fact that they could get more zombies into a room just from like the processing power. So, you know, in the original game, they could only fit maybe one or two or maybe three zombies into a room at a time until, you know, before it kind of messed with like the performance of the game. Whereas this, they're able to get, I think, at least seven in a room all at once, which is such a big change, and it's a lot like how Dawn of the Dead works. So in Dawn of the Dead, the threat isn't, like, one zombie is easy, but the problem is, is when you have, like, a swarm of zombies all coming at you at once, which this game does really well in some spots, like, you just walk into a room, and there's just instantly, like, three or four zombies already at you, and that's all great. It's a very Dawn of the Dead, which I approve of. And yeah, just running, running for safety in this big public place. Very Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that's what I want to bring out, is this game has a lot more zombies in comparison to the first game, so in, in the first game, you normally get, like, one or two rooms, and dealing with one zombie is challenging enough. Here, you can sometimes get like four or five zombies to deal with. And while the game does give you like the resources to deal with this effectively, plenty of ammo, you've got to use that ammo effectively. Like, you might have lots of handgun ammo, but it takes a lot of shots to take out even one zombie. But if you've got the shotgun and you get the timing right, you can like shoot off the heads of one to three zombies at once with one bullet. I think in general, this game, it's a bit more, there's more bullets that you can access. It's harder to run out of bullets for a start. The shotgun is more powerful, I think. And I kind of think that works to the game's advantage. I got a bit fed up at the fact that like you had to conserve ammo so much in the first game. I found that really frustrating that like you could either run around like the zombies or like you know conserve the ammo. I'm naturally because I grew up on first person shooters I love to shoot everything in sight 
And I did that in Resident Evil 2. I still had bullets left over, and I had a whole shotgun left mm. over, and that's kind of cool. You were playing on easy mode, which starts off like hundred handgun bullets. I know it's brilliant, <laughs> but like, but yeah, that is actually a good point because Resident Evil, infamously kind of, depending on who you talk to, mm. began shifting away from horror and focusing more towards action. In some cases, they pulled it off really well, and in others, they didn't. Like Resident Evil Six, which is Michael Bay Resident Evil. <laughs> and it's just not fun to play but yeah one Resident of, Evil 2 was kind of the starting point towards the shifts to action yeah no I agree one of the interesting things with the remake was I noted in an interview they were saying that they started the remake back in 2015 which is you know quite a while ago now and they were saying that they were taking on feedback that they'd got from Resident Evil 6 so I think there was definitely a feeling then that the series had strayed too far away from its roots and what made Resident Evil special, you know? And uh, and that's why we then got Resident Evil 7, which is a lot like 1 in the sense that it's like, here's a house and here's a couple monsters and you've got to find ammo and all of that sort of thing. And then Resident Evil 2 Remake was kind of blend of... It's kind of a blend of the original 2 and Resident Evil 4 because it's got that third-person yeah. perspective. It's not fixed camera angles like in the original game feel a lot of kind of vibes from resident evil 7 in the remake as well yeah like being able to make ammunition from finding gunpowder stuff like that's from resident evil 7 the gunpowder actually started out in resident evil 3 yes yeah now i remember one thing that i do wish that they would bring from free which they put into free remake but not into the 2 one is that you can dodge in the original resident evil 3 I'm like, can we have that back, please? Yeah, <laughs> Why they, they, that they put that in GameCube remake of the first game. Okay, right, yeah, yeah maybe I should check that one out. <laughs> I know the Nintendo 64 version um, of 2 oh, is supposed to be really good. Oh yeah, they managed to condense the whole thing onto one cartridge somehow. Yeah, it's amazing. There's even more content in it, which is crazy. Like, they actually managed to put even more stuff into it. It took like another year to make, but apparently it was worth it because it's supposed yeah. to be like a really good way of playing the game. One of my favourite things I want to talk about with this game is the music because I adored the soundtrack. It might be one of my favourite video game soundtracks of all time. You'll probably be hearing it in the background of this episode depending on how the editing goes, but yeah, it's just a caption of vibe of what you're experiencing. And even the calmer piece of music have a sense of lingering dread about them such as a police station theme and a save room theme. It's supposed to be the safest area in the game, but it's got this really melancholic theme. Yeah. And I also love the boss battle music, like particularly the thing that plays when you fight Perky on the elevator. Although my favourite track in the game is the one that plays when you escape in the lab because it's such an adrenaline puppy track. It's how you feel as a player. Had to make a last minute escape, but it's at this point where like at the end of the game zombies aren't scary anymore but you feel like such a badass I want to just sort of bring up the atmosphere of this game and also comparing it to the first Resident Evil I mean we've mentioned the comparison to the police station and the mansion in the original game I will say I do think the first Resident Evil is creepier than this one I think personally I agree yeah I think there's something about the mansion itself the fact it's just like this isolated sort of haunted match, there's something very gothic about it. I think the best way I can describe it is the first game is very gothic. It's a more of a gothic story in a gothic mansion. We're trying to find out the secrets and uncover what's going on behind this zombie thing that's happening right now. 
The second game feels more like an apocalyptic story. There's, there's a city overrun by zombies and things have gone wrong in civilization. And you feel like civilization is crumbled. The, the very first cutscene has some truck driver crashing into someone and people turning into zombies. There's a guy running a, a gun store just like fending for himself. There's something very po- apocalyptic about that. I don't know if you guys agree with that. So my other big favorite Resident Evil game is actually free and that's because that is, people may know, I really like apocalyptic games and stories. And that that one is that you just running around this apocalyptic city yeah that's all great because it is just the classic cars are crashed and there's like burning buildings everywhere and there's zombies everywhere it's yeah, all great think... whereas two is like an interesting blend of the two the police station's this kind of weird gothic thing as well because you've got like all these weird statues everywhere but at the same time yeah it is more apocalyptic i would say in the style one impression i like to make is first game's like alien this game's like aliens mm. yeah no i agree with that the assessment definitely I mean it's pretty blatant with the whole Sherry Birkin thing like she is literally oh. just newt oh yeah and they really <laughs> went in on that in the remake oh you've not talked about Sherry yet or Ada or Police Chief Irons or any he's of met the... Ada was that James has met Ada I've met Ada yeah like very briefly oh, yeah. and then she ran away <laughs> oh yeah Ada is the boyfriend of a science boyfriend or umbrella why am I getting genders mixed <laughs> <My> girlfriend <laughs> Ada is the girlfriend of a guy called John, who's referenced in the first game because his password to get into the computer in the lab in the first game is Ada. And she comes in looking for her boyfriend, John, and she ends up walking around with Leon throughout the whole game. And yeah, they kind of have a romantic thing going on. It's pretty cool. One thing I find hilarious, though, and and, so this is kind of a funny dialogue moment in two so there's a character called annette and she actually brings up the fact that john had ada as a password in the lab and it's like how would you know that she just happened to know she was like ah yes i remember john he used his girlfriend's name as a password and i'm like were you going through every employee's password like why ada wong i've heard that name before One of the men from Chicago who came to assist the T-Virus research used his girlfriend's name as his password. How did you know? And then there is Sherry, who's a little girl who Claire runs across. She's the daughter of William Birkin, who's the creator of the G-Virus, which is the virus that has caused this zombie outbreak. And then there's Police Chief, Chief Irons. I want to talk about Chief Irons, because he's a creepy antagonist that you encounter halfway through the game. Yeah, there's a lot of shifty vibes with him. As we should all know about Resident Evil, the big villain in all of it is the Umbrella Corporation, who William Birkin works for, creates the bioweapons for. But Police Chief Irons is working for Birkin, and Birkin is actually working against Umbrella. And so Irons is actually kind of working for Birkin. I don't know if Irons realizes that he's not actually working for Umbrella anymore. I think he does. So Umbrella sends something to come after Birkin and Sherry and Leon and Claire, which we'll discuss in a sec. I just find Irons really interesting because he's really horrible. He's like a nasty, misogynistic creep. Although I preferred him in the original game because in the original game, there's more subtlety to him. He's kind of... Whereas in the remake, it's kind of more obvious that he's a piece of shit. I mean, I don't know. I think the original game's pretty blatant as well. Like, 
There's the whole telegram that you can find in the I was about in, to say. The, in the star's office. They talk about him like sexually assaulting people when he was a student. I feel like it's pretty blatant about how much of yeah. a scumbag. When he I was. read that, I remember playing that and played through with Claire. I actually thought that's a bit dark. I mean, with Resident Evil, the first Resident Evil, like all the stuff about the zombie transformation, going like, oh, this god upset me. I ate him, tasty, etc. I thought. Yeah, that's a bit horrible, but it's still kind of in the realms of sort of speculative fiction and silliness. This felt like a legitimately dark, too close to reality sort of situation, I thought. I remember just reading yeah. that document, I thought, oh, that doesn't... <laughs> yeah. I felt really it's uncomfortable with really. yeah. when, when you first meet Irons, like, he's got a dead body on his chest, like some woman, he's like going, oh, she was so perfect, it's ah. a shame she's died. That's the mayor's daughter. I was told to look after her, but I failed miserably. She was a true beauty. Her skin, nothing short of perfection. I've not encountered yeah, this he character went... yet. <laughs> oh, it's, it's great. He has the best death scene ever. At least in no, the, yeah. one of the, when the, some creatures burst out of him, and it's just so perfect. Oh, I just can't take the pain! Oh yeah, because this is literally just an aliens ripoff. Like a thing just bursts out of <laughs> bursts out of people's chests. They were not. Oh, it burst out of his chest. It kind of like bursts out. Like it splits him in half when it bursts out as well. It's glorious. Yeah. Yeah. I just think yeah, like, again, they're kind of like, ooh, it's a little bit different from a chest burster. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, like the liquors are literally a crossbreed between Carnage from Spider-Man and also bloody the Xenomorph from Alien. That's what a liquor mm. is. They're very similar, yeah, you're right. Literally. In Resident Evil Lord, the Lickers are an evolution of the Crimson Heads from the remake of the first game. Yeah, I think you brought that up last time, her. yeah. It makes sense, considering they're, like, red. <laughs> yeah. But I really like Chief Irons. I think it does bring a kind of nasty seediness to the game that wouldn't exist otherwise, which I think is quite cool. I really like how they do uh, him in remakes. Like, the whole thing with the orphanage is just nightmarish. Mm. <laughs> The orphanage is actually used as like a front for like Umbrella to get test subjects. It's it's horrendous. It's really horrible. Oh yeah, you read like kind of like diaries. The kids are like, oh, I'm being adopted. They think they're being adopted, but no, they're being experimented on. It's heartbreaking. It's horrible. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the main boss of this entire game. William Birkin. If I see him in like various different monstrous forms, what's scary about him is, unlike the tyrant from the first game, which is pretty much a golem, Birkin used to be human. I find that scarier than something that was never human. He's an interesting, horrifying mutant thing, isn't he? His whole body yeah, is being torn apart. Yeah, because he injected himself with the G-Virus and it's mutating him into a monster. And it goes into more body horror territory in the first game, which... I think body horror gets under my skin more than the stuff from the first game, so... It looks like something out of a Cronenberg film, or like, or even something out of like, the more messed up David Lynch moments. Almost out of like a razor head. Oh, it's, it's, it, it oh. is really gross. Oh, razor head. <laughs> I can't, oh. Hey. oh, you are sick. 
looks like a giant tumor is climbing out of his body. It's really gross when you actually examine it. And then his uh, head becomes part of his chest, and mm. another kind of mutant head comes oh, yeah. out. Oh, it's gross. And you know, that's the thing. Each of his different mutations becomes less and less human by the end. He's not even human anymore. He's just this slobbering mass. So weird. Yeah. Just to yeah. make this very clear, I've not come across this yet, but so I'm left alone <laughs> with my imagination here right now. With all these weird descriptions, and I'm just thinking of the worst horrible thing right now. <laughs> yeah, just imagine like the fly. No, if you've please. ever seen Cronenberg's The Fly, it's no. kind of like that. I mean, you already mentioned a razor head. That's like a film that's already disturbed my dreams, so. That's gross enough already, yeah. 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 We need to talk about the other antagonist. It's the perfect segue is the zapping system. So the game uses the two characters well. In the, like you and Zed at start, in the first game, you set your character, go through the game, and you don't see the other characters till the end of the game unless you just leave them to die, which you can do. And there aren't really too many differences between characters in terms of how you play the game. Two has two discs. One for each mm. character, you can play them in any order. When you beat the game as the first character, it creates a safe file for you to load when you play as the second character. You'd expect this to be the same game with a character, but it isn't. You enter the police station differently, via an easier route. Not long after you enter the police station, you see a cutscene of some big bald guy in a trench coat being dropped off into the building from a helicopter. Then the door you just come through gets barricaded, but you can only go forwards, and all you can hear are some big plonking footsteps coming away. And then you see the big bald guy coming towards you. And this is Tyrant, or Mr. Rex, as most people call him. And he shows up a handful of times during the second run through. While the beat scenarios, it's not a completely different game. The way you go through the police station, and subgroup areas is different enough. There's different bosses for each run, and there's certain things that change depending on the order you play as each character. Likewise, there's things you do in your first run through that affect your second run, like the most notable one is you come across a wet items closet which contains a submachine gun and a hit pouch which expands your inventory, and whichever one you take is available for the second character. And there's some things that say the same in both run-throughs, like Leon always meets Ada, Claire always meets the police chief and Sherry, but sometimes the placement's enemies change, and that can throw me off, it threw me off really, because uh, there's an area that was empty before, and then I'll come down and there's like zombies there <laughs> in the B scenario. And like in but... Leon's second run, the first corridor you enter after meeting Mr. X is two zombies. In Claire's run, they aren't there, but the corridor after the library that's otherwise empty is full of zombies nibbling on a corpse. Okay, here's the big thing. So, here's my flex, guys. I find these games pretty easy, actually. Sorry, James. <laughs> no, that's fine. I know I'm terrible at playing I'm, games. Carry on. I'm a smug, awful person. So I've recently finished the Resident Evil 2 remake on Hardcore, which is pretty tough. It's a pretty tough game. Apparently, I'm one of the 7% who've beaten Claire's second scenario on Hardcore. 7%, everyone. That's, that's me. I'm one of them. But the big difference between the original and the remake is how they implemented Mr. X. So Mr. X in the original, he kind of just turns up occasionally, like he'll pop up in certain like kind of scripted scenarios. Whereas Mr. X remake, he literally will follow you around the entire police station, apart from like some certain rooms that are like closed off to him. But otherwise he will follow you anywhere. And it's amazing because like you'll have like a gunfight with some zombies that you'll just shoot them and then oh, he'll hear that come stomping after you yeah he'll hear it and he'll come after you it's so cool but my point is after i'd finished hardcore mode i went back to playing like the kind of medium standard mode wow i feel sorry for the zombies because i was finding it so easy compared to hardcore but the thing that saved it was the inclusion of mr x because oh my god like he he's still a problem <laughs> like, yeah he's the I'm gonna... no running in the halls 
Detention for you. There's a moment I want to brag about during my playthrough of the remake that I did for this episode. I was doing the B scenario as Zeon. Sirex appears earlier in the B scenario, whereas in the A scenario he appears in like one main chunk of the police station. I yeah. worked out where he spawned in the B scenario and it spawned as much of the police station that I was able to access without spawning him. But because I was a bit cocky and reckless, thinking I could run past him and save ammo, my health in danger, which means one hit and you're dead. This put me in a tricky situation when it came to dealing with Mr. Rex, but I persevered anyway. I got the last me to get out of the police station, and I took the quickest route back to the police station while Mr. Rex was chasing me, using my shotgun to gun down all the zombies in my path with a shotgun, and I made... It felt like the end of an action movie. I felt like so badass just doing that. And when I made it, I was like, yes, I made it. And then literally a day later, I was like, I should have used the share button on my PlayStation control to have a video of that as evidence that that actually happens. Mm. It's only my word that it exists. My favourite Mr. X moment I had was I was running up some stairs and then I ran through a door and Mr. X was right behind it and he just decked me in the face. <laughs> I was oh, literally yeah. like, oh. I was charging through the door. He was right there and he just punched me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's um. Oh, when yeah. I first, when I first played the remake, he came into the game. I ran straight to the first save room because that's what the like the only room that I won't go into. And then I was like, waiting for him to kind of bugger off. And I was like, okay, I know I can go to this door because I've got this key now. So I went, got the item, no problems. Run out the room, go start to go back to the save room. Next thing you know, Mister Rex just barges through the wall. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I like the way he plows to be around fair, the place. Does, to be fair, he does do that in the original as well at one point. Yeah. It's when you're leaving Chief Irons' uh, office, he'll barge through the wall there, which is pretty cool. So there's a lot of little touches in the original that are neat, but I was like, after playing Remake, I really wanted Mr. X to turn up more in the original, and he just doesn't, and it's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where's my Mr. X? Come yeah. on, man. Like, it- pop up. <laughs> Yeah, going back to the A and B scenarios, like, I think it's worth doing two run-throughs, like an A and B scenario, because the ending for the A scenario is like, it's basically Leon and Claire meet each other on a train, and they're like, oh, it's so good to see you, and it just ends. And then the second run, like one final Birkin form, is an absolute behemoth, but easy to take out, and then you get to see the true ending. And my preferred route is Claire A, Leon B, which is generally considered the canon route anyway. I really like it because you've got Sherry being infected with the G-Virus and then clearly to go around and create a vaccine. So that was a really nice moment. It gave more stakes to that scenario. Mm. And we also get parting between Leon and Ada because Ada gets like obliterated by Mr. X and Leon and Ada like a kind of like a tender moment together which is fitting that Ada throws Leon the rocket launcher to kill Mr. X. And also we get the better ending where Leon just turns around his camera and says, Hey, it's up to us to take out Umbrella. <laughs> And then we get the awesomely cheesy rock music that accompanies the end credits. Nice. One thing I do want to point out is that scenario definitely gives Ada her most badass moment where she just jumps on Mr. Rex and like stabs him in the eye or something. I can't remember, but yeah, like it's pretty, pretty <laughs> awesome. That was one thing I the remake kind of let me down with much difference in the A and B scenarios is like not much connectivity and not much changes other than the beginning of the game. But aside from that, the game pretty much plays out pretty much exactly the same for most characters and you fight the same bosses and narratively it doesn't really make much sense because Annette Birkin dies twice within like the space of like five minutes or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's the one disappointment of Remake is that, yeah, you can't have Leon fight Birkin at the end and you can't have Claire fight Mr. X, which is really weird. I always saw Mr. X as Claire's villain, really, because she's looking after Sherry, who's got the thing that Mr. X is looking for. 
So I always find it kind of find it weird that it's Leon who fights Mr. X in remake. It's just kind of odd. I still enjoy. I think that's because Claire A. Leon B. is what Capcom considered canon, and of course Leon B. ends with Leon fighting Mr. X. But interesting, the novelization of Resident Evil 2, which is Resident Evil: City of Evil, follows the Leon A. Claire B. route, which means it's Claire dealing with Mr. X, and that's where the name Mr. X actually came from. Was the novelization. Can I just quickly say, Mr. X, really? Who would? Who, why would you name yourself that? It's like the most villainous thing ever. You may as well just call yourself, oh, hi, I'm Mr. Evil. Dr. Evil, I didn't spend six years in evil medical school to be called Mr. Thank you very much. Mr. X, he's, he's like a, a doctor away from being an action man villain, for God's sake. I'll be fair. To, to, to be fair, nobody, nobody actually calls him Mr. X in-game. I think he's just like... Oh, okay, alright. All right. Yeah, then, like, yeah, like I said, the, the name Mr. X came from the novelization of Resident Evil 2, where Claire kind of calls him Mr. X. Hello, right. I'm Mr. X. Like, His official you? name is Tyrant or Super Tyrant or something. It's yeah. even worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tyrant was the name of the ultimate life form at the end of Resident Evil One, so I guess he's like the perfection of that concept. I and guess. then, um, no, not quite the perfection because, of course, in Resident Evil, we get something even worse. I love Nemesis so much. Oh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Is there a character called Mister Nemesis? He's just called Nemesis. He's not Mr. Nemesis. Oh, okay, okay. That's still <laughs> stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, oh. let, let's talk about... I want to talk I about... I can't wait that, for James to play Resident Evil 3 now. But there is really? one thing I want to talk about that James will know about because he's played Resident Evil 4. But I'm a big fan of Ada. Ada Wong, who turns up in an even more ridiculous red dress in 4. But she's also in a red dress in 2. It's like a cocktail dress. <laughs> yeah, what? What's the <laughs> she's like running around in high heels. Well, Rob, didn't you say that that's explained in the novelization or something like why she's but, in a red dress? Yes. Apart from her being like, a sexy exactly, kind of, like She was saying in a hotel or something, and that's all she kind of really had when the zombies outbreak happens. Oh, okay. That's, okay. Yeah, right. that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going um, to be honest. So in the remake, so at first she's got like an overcoat that she's wearing over the dress and then she takes the overcoat off later. But I'm going to be honest, I played the version where you get like the original outfits and her turning up from the shadows in the sexy red dress, it, I'm going to be honest, it had a lot more impact. It was so cool. Hey! Who is that? Stay sharp! <laughs> You're yeah, that's, just me, about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me being a chauvinistic yeah. pig, but she did look awesome in the red dress. So, um, <laughs> hey, <and> no. <laughs> there is one version of the game that I want to talk about, which is Tiger Gamecom version. So, to kind of add backstory, in the 80s and 90s, there were a company who were infamous for pumping out those these crappy, primitive LCD games that were typically slightly more advanced than a calculator, normally based around tries. There were several poor attempts to recreate popular video games of the time. Anything they could get the license to, they'd create a crappy game of it. In 1997, Tiger decided to try and make a console, like a portable console, which was slightly less primitive than the usual output, but it made the original Game Boy look like a Nintendo Switch. And one of the games released for the Gamecom was a version of Resident Evil 2, which is clearly the worst version of the game, and it's more of a side-scroller, as they couldn't really replicate the 3D with the primitive technology they had. I mean, is it any good? Like, I know you're saying it's the worst one, but, like, is it alright? <laughs> Does um, it function? 
for what it is, it's a attempt, is all I will say. I'm not actually playing because I did kind of I'd look it up on eBay for curiosity and it costs like an arm and a leg. I'm not paying that much money for it. I've seen footage on YouTube. It looks interesting, but it looks very repetitive. One thing I want to bring up quickly about remake on hardcore to bring up my movie analogy again it's a lot like return of the living dead where like the whole joke in that is like how do you kill something that's already dead and it's like uh you can't how do you kill something that's already dead well how do i know fred i don't know let me think not a bad question, Bert. And Resident Evil 2 Remake really feels like that. You can shoot mm. as many bullets into a zombie's head as you want. It will not go down, which is kind of great. I thought you said if we destroyed the brain, it'd die. It worked in the movie! Well, it ain't working now, Frank. I mean the movie line! So I'm gonna force James to play that at some point. Oh, I know that will be his worst nightmare ever. No. Um. <laughs> oh, God, no. See, what I started to do was run past the zombies. Oh, yeah. I, I just that's, didn't bother shooting while I was like, especially yeah. when Mr. X involved, whilst with like liquors and stuff like that, you can be very careful with them because they're blind in the remake. So you can just be very, very quiet and walk past them. Although they have caught me at some points. Like, I'll have walked past them and they still like jump out at me. So I don't know what I did wrong in those uh. situations. So I think before we wrap up for our good old spooky Halloween times, what's your favorite moment or favorite moment either in the game or a favorite moment that you've had playing the game? This is like picking favorite chops of all of this game but two most particularly stick out is the first liquor encounter described in detail and there's one moment in the original game where you go into the autopsy room where there is like loads of dead bodies loads, loads of like corpses on the floor and you have to walk all around these like corpses just lo- that just lie there and then you grab like the key it's the last key you need to access the last few doors of the police station as soon as you grab that key the corpse suddenly just comes to life you've got to just leg it out of that room I just love that mm. moment oh it's so great yeah they do some wonderful jump scare moments like that a couple of times they're really fun James my favourite moment yeah. I want to say believe it or not I mean I've only played this on easy mode but the first part of the game the first part when you're in the city and you're left alone and the opening sequence says this is the beginning of your worst nightmare and then suddenly you're launched into this city that is on fire surrounded by zombies all chasing you it's a linear sort of mission you've got to complete you need to get through the city to the police station Regardless of where it's on Leon or Claire, you have to go jump through. And I like the linear elements of that. I thought, here's the thing, that this is something I actually haven't mentioned yet, is that the fact that with Resident Evil, the adventure game element does frustrate. I love adventure games. I like picking point adventure games. But one of the frustrating things is, is going backwards and forwards, finding items, trying to just progress the game. Do you know what I mean? This part yeah. of the game is literally like, right, move forward, get to where you need to go. Don't turn back. Run mm. as fast as you can past these zombies. I love that so much. I actually would go as far as to say, if there was more of that throughout the game, I probably would have enjoyed it more, I will say. I think you're really like free, because that's literally what that is. It's the most linear of the PS1 games. You're literally running through the city and you're moving from place to place. And un- unless you've like missed like a really important item, you generally don't need to backtrack. Yeah. You literally just keep running forwards. It's really cool. I think it's, you'd like free. It's one of the reasons why I actually haven't finished this game. Is I got stuck for at least a day. Like, well, maybe not 24 hours, but like a, 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 day, a, a day of gaming, like approximately six hours. I was literally running back and forth trying to find a door that one of my keys would unlock. <laughs> I, I literally had all set, like, I had like at least seven keys. 
I had no idea which door they unlocked. For God's sake, I can't unlock the right door. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. So for me, I've got a couple favorite moments. They're actually in Remake. So first off is in the kennel. So in Leon's first play, or in the first playthrough, when you go through in the kennel, it's the classic Resident Evil zombie dogs. And they're pretty scary, you know, they're pretty dangerous. But then when you go there again on the second playthrough as Claire, the dogs are all dead. They were killed by liquors. My other big favorite, this isn't really a favorite moment, but it was when I was in the sewers and then when I was in the lab, when I did my first hardcore playthrough, I was really struggling. And poor Claire, she was not having a good time of it. And I just scraped past the Birkin boss that happens between the sewer and the lab. And then the lab, I think it has all of two or three health items in the entirety of the lab in Remake. So I had to spend the first maybe two sections of the entire lab with like my health in the danger section. So I literally couldn't be touched by any zombies. I had to be so careful with every single thing. And then like at the end with the final boss, I had no ammo. So I was literally killing him with the taser gun that you get, the electric gun thing. So that was my favorite moment just because it was so damn difficult. And I'm so glad that I beat it and I feel like a boss doing it. I guess that's my Resident Evil favorite moment. But the dogs and the liquor, I think are a great touch as well. So yeah, thank you for listening to this episode if you enjoyed this episode please check out our previous episodes on soundcloud apple Podcasts, and spotify and also check out our website bluecast.com we have done the first resident evil we've also done other video game stuff we've done tomb raider we've done spyro there needs to be more video game episodes i think <laughs> wait before you continue actually can i just say someone actually approached me at work and said video games is not my sort of thing comic books that's where the good stuff is <laughs> But then you were like, we the did comic a books comic good. book episode. We have done a comic book episode. So, guys, please watch the comic book episodes. Or listen, rather. TMNT, yeah. we've done that as well. We've done a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Scott Pilgrim, yes. We'll probably do more comic books as well. We should do more comic books, actually. You can also follow us on social media. We are Glasspod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to get in touch with us as well, we have an email address, which is bluecastoutlet.com. I actually have a very first email last month from Thomas Meehan, who's a new listener, who said he enjoyed our Batman the Animated series and Avatar Last Airbender. He has suggested some like Super Sentai Power Rangers type stuff, which I'm definitely intrigued to look at. Definitely do some kind of Power Rangers episode in the future. So if you've got suggestions for future episodes or any feedback, please send us an email. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Podcast. Like, it could be as brief as you want. It could be a detailed paragraph gushing about how much you're enjoying the show. But yeah, just leave us a review. It really helps us out. And of course, we started slowly uploading episodes to YouTube. James has been doing a wonderful job. We've got our alien episode up in video form now. Slowly getting through the others. So yeah, keep your eye out for that. And also share the podcast with friends and family as well. And before we go, Ewan, can you tell our listeners what we're discussing next time? Lube. Lube never changes. <laughs> We're discussing my all-time favorite computer game ever made, because it is the best one. Fallout, the post-nuclear role-playing game. Very excited. I'm excited yeah. too. Yeah, I've only played it very briefly to make sure it runs on my computer. So I'm excited to delve in and 
see how great this series is because the way you had talked about it for years has kind of intrigued me finally delve in and see why he gushed out it so much I've played it before I really enjoy it I'm looking forward to finally finishing it myself I'm just looking forward to seeing all those wonderful claymation faces oh they're so cool they are so cool I I, I am guiltily confessed fan of those animations because they're just so weird (laughs) yeah classic 90s claymation it's a good time it's very good alright okay until next so, yeah, time. Until next time. Yeah. The Bloomcast bids you farewell. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We look forward to having you on the next one. Happy and Halloween, course, happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> oh, fuck off, Skeletor.